would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you're with us today. Both myself and my co-hosts, we are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with uh, helping people like yourself plan their financial futures. And we broadcast our show here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. Whether you're listening to us uh, old school terrestrial radio or uh, podcast, we're glad you are participating in our program today. And we've been doing this show for 25 years. 25 years. years. Yeah, and the whole goal from the very beginning was to help people find financial peace in their lives, whatever that is. And it's not always the most money. It's living comfortably with the money you have. Well, it's not the most money because there's if that's your goal, there's there's never enough. <laughs> well, I, yes, I I don't know. I'm not at that level where <laughs> correct. That's my whole point. There's there's never there's never quite enough. Yes, yes. right. That's uh, but but it's, so if we if we can set aside that we all we all have finite resources. Our hope and our goal is that people make good choices with their finances so that they have some financial independence in their life. So work is a choice and not an obligation. So they, they've got the flexibility in their retirement years to do things that's important to them, to be able to see the grandkids and have some dignity in their life and be able to pay for their health care as they get older. And that's really it, it, about, and it's not that, for most people, it's not about accumulating as many dollars as quickly as possible so you don't ever have to work again or serve others again. Most people... It's just being at the point where they have some little more control over their lives, have some more flexibility in their lives. And financial security. And we talk about retirement, but retirement isn't for everybody, but you should plan as if you're going to leave the workforce. Well, 48, 48% of people retire earlier than planned. This weekend, I ran into, um, this, this past weekend, I ran into a buddy of mine that I'd known for, I'd known Tom for about almost 30 years. I hadn't seen him in a long time. I used to run with him. He was a, he played football for Stanford way back in the day and he's, he still looks fantastic. Massive shoulders. Anyway, <laughs> I said, I, I ran into him. And he, he said, yeah, I, I, um, I got my, my job is being eliminated. And he says, I'm about three years shy of where I want to be. I had the same conversation. Three years shy. He says, I was planning on three more years and all my finances would have lined up. But now I got to figure out what to do. He says, I don't think I'm quite there where I can be re- retired. It's not going to be the kind of retirement I want. I needed three more years and now I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I had uh, almost an identical conversation with a friend of mine and his wife this week. Job was being eliminated, 58 years of age. That's We've, even a worse age. We, <laughs> we think we have enough to retire. We think we have enough to retire, but we really don't want to dig into the nest egg quite yet. So I'm just trying to find a job where I can, quote, skate by for a few years. Like, that makes sense. You don't really need that. You know, they were at a point where they said, we don't really need to add to it. We've got that. We're, we have no debt. We're, 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 we think we're almost there, but we're not really quite ready to leave the workforce yet. Uh, and we think that we need a couple more years for. Um, well, most people really don't know. They have a guess, but unless they work with a good financial advisor or are very astute when it comes to financial markets, have a realistic rate of return expect expectations, realistic inflation expectations, all those other things, they're just guess. They have well, no idea. Well, actually, this, so what we've noticed, I mean, over the years of doing that, when people with, when they go through a financial planning process with somebody, they typically feel more confident about their future, et cetera. Well, as they said, we know we have enough that we could do it today. But it isn't quite where we're 100% comfortable. And by the way, we don't really want to leave the workforce the same couple. They were both. They, they were visiting me from out of state because uh, one had the, the wife had quit her job and the husband uh, was laid off. Lost his job. And they're like, you know, the kids are all gone. So we took six weeks and drove around the western United States visiting friends. I'm like, good for well, you. Good for them. Good for it's you. Oftentimes, it is a, a, an emotional struggle for someone to lose their job prior to retirement. Particularly, they've been there a long time. They need another three, four years to get their financial house really where they want it to be. Yes. And then suddenly they find themselves there. And here you're, what, this, your friend was what, late 50s? Yeah, it's 58. Like, 58, like, here's a lot of people are still working 
are still wanted and needed in the marketplace, and it 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 it's, it feels like you're no longer wanted nor needed. Well, it, he, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You have these conversations with your clients. We have them with our clients all the time. Which is, look, we we're, I'm 58. I'm 59. I'm 60. I don't want to leave the workforce, but I, but if I'm going to go back to a job, I'm not going to go back to the same job I was when I was 28 and grinding it out on a plane every week <laughs> or whatever that job was. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I'm not looking to move up the corporate ladder. I'm just looking for a place to, to hang out for a few years and add some value. So, I mean, look, it, I, we really do believe it's important that people are prepared for retirement, whether they plan on never retiring, just being in the, that position. 48% of Americans retire earlier than planned. Uh, the FOIA financial studies, there's been a bunch of studies that show roughly half, one or two of us uh, retire earlier than planned, either because of a job change or a health issue with themselves, a health issue with a family member, or whatnot. But anyway, we got a great program lined up today. Um, and if you want to be part of our program here at All Worth's Money Matters, you can join myself and my co-host, Pat. Our contact number is 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. And um, we're, we'll take we'll start, we'll take some calls here in a moment. But the, the two issues I want to talk about. One is the relief bill. So-called relief bill, one point nine trillion dollars. So what are we at now? We're, we had five, six trillion since the beginning of this. I don't know. When you add this on, we're somewhere in there. Yeah. And we, the U.S. government had, well, we, I should say, we as citizens, uh, we're already over twenty trillion dollars. And now we're over 100% of our gross domestic product. Which, which is a little scary because you, you need to measure uh, the amount of debt against uh, some sort of benchmark. If you were a family and had $150,000 a year in income and had $150,000 in consumer debt, you'd, you'd think, wow, that's a little high. That's yes. kind of another way to look at it, right? Perfect. But um, it, uh, I almost find myself... I, 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 I saddened by it, I got to tell you, because I, 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 I look at all this additional money that we're throwing, and it, less than 10% of that was close to the vaccine stuff. I, I, I'm 100% supportive of helping those, particularly those that the government came in and, and shut down their businesses, and it, the, the, the response to the pandemic caused great pain. I'm 100% supportive of us providing help and relief to those people. What is frustrating, I think, is just all the various things that was thrown into this that because has nothing could. that has nothing to oh, do. Scott, a rescue package for pensions? It had nothing to do. Nothing. Nothing to do with the pandemic. This was this was years and years and years and years in the making. So I'm part of this package. It was. You're right. And there's years other bills. And years. It was to bail out multiple multiple employer pension plans, which Eight, are primarily union pension plans. Eighty six billion to one hundred and eighty five union pension plans. Eighty six billion dollars to one hundred and eighty five union pension plans. What does this have to do with the pandemic? This 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 issue, it, it existed long before the pandemic. This, by the way, won't fix it. All it does is delay hard decision making, painful decision making. This was a huge bill. It wasn't, I mean, it's, and I don't, where the $2,000 number come from? I think that was something that just Trump threw out there. Why was 2000 the number that families needed? They got 600 before, so they're getting an extra 1400 on this one. Why not 2100 or 1900 And why isn't it phased to those who actually need it? It's based upon income levels. So if your income's too high, you're not going to get it. But there's some people, maybe they need more than that. And others that don't need it at all. Yes. Some people... I know a lot of people whose incomes were up last year. Yes, but but <laughs> some businesses but not, did great, but, but not above the threshold. Anyway, I think, and I don't want to sit and get the nitty gritty of it because there are people. Everyone has a different viewpoint on us. But the thing that is uh, that concerns me long term, like how like debt. How do we eventually pay off this debt? It's debt. It's debt. It's just like the borrower is slave to the lender. It looks just like a window is opened and everyone is just trying to push pork through. That's what it is under the guise of pandemic. And by the way, fully partisan bill too. uh, most of the stimulus package that was uh, in earlier bills hasn't been spent and isn't actually over a trillion hasn't even been spent yet. And it's not even scheduled to be spent for the year 2022, year 2023. 
So you wonder how much, if this is going to put, and the economy is already looking really strong. Yeah, inflationary. Well, that's the con- biggest concern I have. What's this going to do in inflationary pressures? Even if it's not the, the debt the issue, just you throw that much additional money, supply versus demand, suddenly the cons- what happens when the what happens when the economy opens back up and there's ten well, percent of the restaurants? Scott, we're there? already seeing it. There's inflation in bicycles, boats, and RVs right now. <laughs> it's true. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and good luck finding those things. Supply and demand. Yeah, why? Well, because not as you pointed out earlier, not everyone was injured uh, because of the pandemic. Right. But they're getting extra checks. They're getting extra checks. Yeah, talk to someone who owns a bike store. Ask how their year was last year or, or now or boat or RV. They're having trouble getting supply. Anyway, I find it all. Um... So I mean, as as an investment advisor, as one. <laughs> We're co-CEOs of, of, of an organization that has 13,000 plus clients, over $10 billion of, of, of money, primarily retirement dollars that we uh, we take the, we have a responsibility to shepherd. Uh, my con- one of my longer term concerns is inflation. That's one of my top concerns. Yes. And it's keeping an eye on those things like when inflation is going to start. F- What's it going to do to the economy? And uh, portfolios and how yeah. do we have things structured for that as well. So anyway, if you want to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. And we'll take your call. We're starting with Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Pat. Hey, Scott. I have a question regarding uh, where I'm going to put some dollars that uh, are coming due in a CD the end of the year. Uh, well, let me outline it from the beginning. I, this uh, is part of an inheritance that uh, my sisters and I got from uh, our parents when they, uh, my mother was the last one to pass away and she passed in 2017. Uh, there was a, a brokerage account that had a value of about 120000 which has been split three ways between my, myself and my two sisters. One of my sisters is uh, uh, special needs and it's in her portion to the uh, family needs trust. Uh, and then there's uh, there were cash assets of approximately uh, 150,000 for each of us that, uh, that we have. Uh, I, we put a lot of that cash into a CD into CDs in 2018. Uh, it happened that our credit union made a, a what I consider to be a really fantastic offer. They had a three-year graduated CD that made 2.5% the first year, 3% the second year, and 4% the You're getting 4% on CD money right now? Right in this year. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was something that uh, that our credit union offered, but uh, of course they they will not be yeah, offering yeah, yeah. that after after the end of the year. Uh, but I'm I'm considering uh, adding some of my portion into my into the brokerage account that I had and building it up. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm almost seventy. I'll be seventy later this year. Uh, I'm really not living off of this money it's, it's been sitting there since you know since uh my mom and, and dad had it uh and i what, haven't been doing anything with it so what's your, I'm, what, I'm thinking what what's the what would you like these dollars to go towards so you have this came from your parents right you've got it today right uh you right. haven't spent any of it and it's been four years um like wh- what would you like these dollars to do for you for family for whatever Probably uh, just you know uh, go in for some sort of growth and be there for my my daughters when I pass. And do you have ample assets to take care of your own needs? This you won't. Uh, yes, all yes, like- I, I do. <laughs> I, I have uh, two uh, uh, two uh, accounts uh, or two IRAs, I should say, um, and the total between the two is one point two million. Okay. You know, it's it's interesting. Sometimes my 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 father passed away a little over a year ago, and I received a relatively small inheritance. And it's 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 kind of it's I I feel funny about blending it with the rest of my money. I kept kept the separate account, and I I'm a financial advisor. Yes, that's unusual. I know, but it's that surprises me. And I've decided I'm gonna I'm gonna use the dollars for uh, my nieces and nephews when needs arise. Oh, that's nice. 
Um, what you said, Scott, I feel me, I feel basically the same way. I I, I, I just kind of want to leave it in an account. My, that was my folks' money, and leave it for my kids. Well, then, so, so let's uh, so, so that that's that's the most important thing, which is what are the objectives of the dollars? Yeah. Anytime we look at an investment opportunity, one, what's the goal? Like, what what are the objectives? As Pat said, in your case, Jeff, you say, well, ideally, I'd like to leave this for my daughters. So, and then the second thing we look at is time horizon how long do we have before we need these dollars and would you be giving any of these dollars to your children um in the next 5 10 15 years do you suppose um i don't think so I, at this point i think they're fine for now okay so then we've got a we've got a timeline of 15 years for these dollars right and that's and, assuming that your yeah. kids would spend it the first day. And and under current tax yeah, law. Who knows there? Who knows? Know. Right? And then, my, my oldest daughter would be gone before the week was out. But, anyway. but uh, under current tax law, then under current tax law, what's the best ways to, to actually do that? Right? Uh, and mm-hmm. I would I would say that you're better off actually putting them in a brokerage account with some highly tax efficient. Or keeping this a separate brokerage account. That's right. right. Having these dollars earmarked. So that you that, that, that so there's no ambiguity about what the objectives are. So it's not commingled with any other dollars. And you've got the luxury here, Jeff, of being able to invest in something and not worry about what the value is on a daily basis. Only what it's going to be in 10, 15, 20 years from now is all you're focused on. Right. Right. So I think about mm-hmm. it the same way I thought about putting money into a 529 for my children when they were born which is I don't really care what it does year to year. I just care what it's going to be uh, the value at their age 18. So it's got 18 years to grow and it would be invested towards that end. So I would make the argument that you should have a highly, highly aggressive portfolio in terms of equities. Yeah, I think what Pat means by aggressive is not like trying to pick some hot stock. But let's just say even if you owned, let's say the S&P 500 or the total stock market index, just the... The, the factors of production in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's statistical, yeah, there's statistical I, I, chance of, uh, for a greater return is much higher there than even in the 4% CD. Oh yeah. I, and I, my, my thought is I, 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 because right now with the, the way the, the uh, account is structured, uh, it's, um, pretty well, I would think from what I'm, what I'm seeing about, 65-35 split, and it's more towards bond funds. And so I'm thinking I would, I would want to get more into into stock. Yes, 100% yep. agree. Yep. You're thinking the right way, Jeff. Yeah, and I might put this right now, just for a comfort level, is maybe 80% equities and 20% bonds and cash and uh, put and it just in a separate account. It's going to fall. Yeah, just realize. It's going to have an ugly, the next five years, there will be some period where it's going to be ugly. But you don't care as long as you get to the 15, 20 years out, which is, right, you're 70. Right? Statistically, yeah, you're going to be, de- you're, statistically, you're going to live to be uh, 86. Right. Right. So if you have a normal yeah, life expectancy, what I figured. Yeah. yeah, if you have a normal life expectancy, so I had invested that aggressively. And, and, and yeah, I agree you know, and, and it wasn't a bad thing to put it in the bank CD three years ago because it gave you time to settle down and emotionally think about it, which is a really important part of investing is actually how people respond to or react to their portfolios and how they're doing. It's probably the hardest part of investing is actually taking the emotion out of it. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, the other thing, and, and I'm probably going to uh, be, uh, um, not uh, doing quite so aggressive on this one, but I'm I'm the um, what do you want to call her the the uh, trustee for the part of it that uh, part of the state that's in trust for my sister. Yeah, that's yeah, a very different situation. Portion. That she right. needs and income each a, year. Well, she doesn't need a lot. She 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 is uh, on. Uh, she lives in a group home, and she gets through my parents and that she, she was, she's on SSI. So that covers her actual living in the home. So she needs money for extras that she might need, et cetera. So she's spending maybe two, 3000 a year. Okay. And how much is her, how much is her uh, money set aside? So for earlier, I was going to ask about that. 
Jeff asked, mentioned earlier, just kind of as a side note, that he had a, a sister that was left money in a special needs trust. And we were going to get to that, asking you who is responsible for managing and what the income needs are there. So those are two separate decisions, right? So right, one is money in 15 to 20 years. And the other one, it needs to generate some current income. How much money is in the special needs trust? Uh, it, in the trust, it's about, uh, right now, I think it's it's around 175000 between the cash and the brokerage account, because she's also got about, well, right now, it's close to 50000 in the brokerage account. Got it. And so- then about 100000 Hundred twenty five hundred, about one hundred thirty. I guess it is in in cash assets because she had a, a CD with uh, with yeah, the credit okay. union. Also. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so that one I would put all in the brokerage account, and I would go a fifty fifty portfolio on that and generate to generate the income, but still allow for some growth. And think if you think about it, like how much how much cash can you will you possibly need over the next five years? That five years, those should be in conservative dollars. Anything beyond that. I mean, you have time to ride the market cycles, yeah. and they're going to go through well, cycles, my, right? Right. My thought is, I'm going to leave probably about twenty to thirty thousand of it in cash perfect, in, uh, perfect. in the in in the uh, uh, credit union account, either into a, in, a, in a money market, whatever is easiest like for you to manage. Perfect. Yeah, and then and then the rest of it would be in the brokerage. All right, and then the, the the last point before we go is you have named someone to take over those responsibilities if you predecease your sister. Have you done that? Yes, my 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 second uh, my other sister would take it over. Okay, and perfect. If she's gone. I would it would probably fall to my daughter. Perfect, 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 perfect. So just make sure that that's documented somewhere, legally. Right. It's yeah. in the it's in the trust. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Great job. Good job. So I I, I like that idea. Uh, for invest those dollars completely separately, one for the special needs and one for the growth for for your your own children. Right. All right, Jeff. Okay. Appreciate it, yeah, guys. I wish you well. Appreciate. You know, and, and, and rather than jump to the next next call, uh, the, you know what I appreciate about Jeff's call? There's three. There's three different investment needs there. Yes. We didn't talk about Jeff's personal one because he has money in an IRA. I don't know how that's invested, but so right. There's three completely different investment objectives that Jeff needs to, to make. One is the dollars that he's going to need during his lifetime which there we need to make sure we've got money that's set aside, not tied to the financial market, so we don't have to worry about. So if next quarter we need some dollars or next this fall we need some dollars or next year we need money, we don't have to worry about something being down in value. So That's his own money. His own money. But then we also need to think of what happens if it's 75 or 80 and what happens if we have inflation. We need to make sure we have some growth in his portfolio so that the income he's pulling out five and ten years from now is greater than it is today just to break even, essentially. Then when you look at the these other dollars where it's a very long-term. And he decided that because he could mix up with the rest of it, but he decided what he wanted those use of those dollars to be for his children. Long, long time horizon. And then for his sister, he manages a special needs trust, which is both immediate need and long-term need. And some would, some would argue that, Oh, you can do all this just in one account, which you probably could, but not the special need ones, obviously, but there's some, Sometimes it's beneficial to have a couple different accounts that are used for different things just so you can view them differently. Now, from an investment advisor standpoint, I could, we could build a portfolio and monitor certain securities within a portfolio and know that these are for different purposes. But sometimes for individuals, it's just or families, it's, it's kind of easier to have different accounts and say, all right, I'm not going to worry about what this account's worth on a daily basis because this account's not going to be touched for 5, 10, 15 years. Like my 401k. Scott, I don't worry about my 401k in the slightest. Scott, 54. I had a client, plenty of money, wasn't going to spend it all in their lifetime. I put it all in one account and uh, he kept coming, he and his wife kept coming back and saying, we think this should be more aggressive. And I said, "Where this is appropriate for your risk level. And they said, look, you said we're not going to spend this all in our lifetime. We want it to be more aggressive for the growth of our children. And I said, I apologize. Uh, it makes uh, complete sense. I'm going to take your single account. What did you apologize for? I, I probably should have listened better. Um, they probably didn't have that much clarity in there. Might, might. Maybe you, you apologize for not helping them get that clarity earlier on. Because that, that, that a big part of our job is helping people so figure these things I out. So I took 
the account that we had one account and I split it into two accounts. And I said, this one account is invested for your children and it will be very, very aggressive. We are not allowed to change our aggressiveness regardless of the market cycles. You can't, and you can't complain when it's down 40%. Yes. And you can't brag about it when it's up because the objective is 15 to 20 years out. And then the other account that you're going to live off of, that's going to be segregated. And the psychology behind it was brilliant. Um, not just because it allowed them to view it differently. So they had no reaction to the account volatility for the one. Well, psychology the is a big factor in making it. Most investors are not successful investors because their emotions get in the way. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue with some more calls. This is All Worth Financials Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McClain. And let's head right to the phones. And if you would like to uh, ask us a question at some point in time and be on our show, we'd love to answer your call. Um, we enjoy, you'll find that we don't do a lot of e- e- like reading emails and stuff because sometimes people will call up with one question and Really, the question is maybe something different. Completely right? different. I mean, it's they, they think that the question, the answer to their question is going to help them accomplish what their what their need or what their goal is, but oftentimes it's not. So, we well, and always, that's because life doesn't live in a vacuum. No, no, no. So, to join our program, eight three three ninety nine worth eight three three ninety nine worth, or uh, numerically, it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. We're talking with Cecile. Cecile, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott and Pat. How are you two doing? We're wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm well. Let's talk money. All right. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm a a little earlier in my career. And um, and if you ask my age, it's 32. And uh, last week or the week before, I was talking with our workplace financial advisor. And, um, you know, we had talked about how my goals for earlier retirement. And so... With the market drop last year, I started putting more money in a brokerage fund. And in our most recent talk, he said, um, I wouldn't do that. I would increase your contribution to your 401k, start drawing down the brokerage fund and not contribute to that. Well, how does that make sense? If let's say I want to retire at 50 and I can't draw from the 401k. All right, so a couple things going on there. Yeah, Uh, first of all, there are ways to get to the 401k without being 59 and a half, without any penalty. And and just to, uh, do you work for a state, municipality, nonprofit, or a private company? I work for a nonprofit uh, healthcare system. Okay, so do you have a 401k or a 403b? I I contribute to the 401k. Okay, all right, thank you. And do you have a Roth option at work? We do, and... Um, I, when I joined, I had no idea of it. So I just went with the 401k because that's what I knew. Yes. And what's your approximate income? About 90,000. Are you married? No. Uh, you, you live in uh, California? No, I live in Arlington, Virginia. Virginia. And do you plan on staying in? Well, who knows where you'll be long-term? You're 30, who knows? 30, 32 yeah. years old. <laughs> I don't know where I'll be long-term. So how much are you – so so you were putting money both into your 401K and into your brokerage account. Um, yeah. how, how much were you saving approximately in each one of those prior to this advisor giving you a suggestion? Yeah, so I contribute 8% to my 401K. My company matches 5% of that. And then I max out a Roth IRA. And I was also putting $500 a month into a brokerage fund. And it's going into index funds. So I would, I would probably take that 500 bucks and put it into the Roth 401k option. So you've got 8% of your pay going into the pre-tax 401k? Yes. And so you think of it like that extra 500 bucks a month, just being able to throw it right into a, a Roth IRA, because that's kind of what it's like. It's a- and, and what the benefit of that is what, Scott, versus a brokerage account? Well, the brokerage account, you're going to end up paying capital gain tax, and you'll have some taxable dividends along the way. If it's on any growth, 
in the Roth, it's all, all that gross can be tax free. And it the liquidity is not quite as good as the brokerage account, but it's, it's much. It, but it's pretty it's good. pretty close. You can always get out your contributions before um, having to tap your earnings, and your contributions will come out tax free. Regardless so of your you age. said to put take that five hundred from the brokerage that I was funding and put it into a Roth four hundred one k. Yeah, that's correct. And buy the same index funds. Uh, that's a great idea, guys. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Had we been at your workplace advisor, <laughs> that's what we do all day long. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't want you to put more in the pre-tax because it doesn't have the same liquidity yeah, I mean, if as you were the making, Roth. If you were, if your income was double or something, then I'd say you're in this really high tax bracket. But you're, you're not probably not that high a tax bracket. You've got some going in pre-tax. You've got the Roth IRA. I, I, I love the concept of the Roth. Uh, do you own a home yet? I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even better. And so, and you're, I assume you're concentrating on the debt in the home. Um, I, I mean, I'm making my monthly payments. I'm not making. She's 32. Money. I wouldn't to have a 30 year mortgage. It's fine. Yeah. And I just refinanced it down. So it, it's saving me a little bit a month and I might take that extra savings and probably pay it towards the principal. But I'm when you said you want to retire early, what is early to yeah, a 32 year old? Gosh, if you told me I could retire today, I would. Really? <laughs> and then do what? And yeah. do what? It's Well, it's not, I, I'd say, let's call it financial freedom and not retirement. Uh, okay. What I want to do, yeah, is find something else that I wouldn't have to worry about the money. Okay. Yeah. That, well, okay. that's a very worthy goal. And are you on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage or? I am. Yeah, pay, yeah. pay extra to the principal. The sooner that gets paid off, the sooner you get to retire. Money not going out in retirement is exactly exactly the same as money yeah. coming in. Right. That's right. Right. So well, the, the, the less mortgage payment you've got, the less dollars you need saved. So Good I words. like that idea. Yeah. So take the excess payment, put it against the principal in the house, and then uh, move the $500 from the brokerage into the Roth, IR, or the Roth 401k. All right. I'm going to look into this today. Thanks, Good. Do it today. All right. Appreciate <laughs> Don't the... put off till tomorrow. <laughs> call now. <laughs> Boy. Appreciate the call. Oh, yeah, Thank you. 833-99-WORTH. We'll get you on Allworth's Money Matters. We're talking with Charles. Charles, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I, we can barely hear you. Oh, okay. Are you on a speakerphone? Well, you've or... got your hand on the f- microphone. Is on the that phone. better? Dude? There we oh, go. Oh, much better. We hear you perfectly now. Perfect. What's up? Okay. Uh, I'm approximately two years away from retirement, and I'm looking at moving out of the country and retiring in Southeast Asia. Okay. And my... Which country? I'm looking at Thailand. So my question is, I have a 401k that... Uh, has approximately $130,000 in it. And I'm thinking of using it to buy a condo over in Van. How old are you? I am 64. And where will your income come from once you retire? I have, uh, uh, basically I'm going to get Social Security approximately 2,500. And I have an annuity with an income writer of uh, two hundred and fifty thousand. What's the income writer? Um, it would bring me a thousand dollars a month. And are you single? I'm single. How long ago did you purchase this annuity? Uh, five years ago. So, and how much would the house cost you? Um, approximately. At the very probably at the most a hundred thousand for a nice uh, and, one bedroom condo over there. And do you own a home here? I own a condo in Sacramento, uh, and it's paid clear. And what would you do with that condo when you moved to Southeast Asia? I'm thinking I would rent it out here so I can make a little income off of that. And what's the value of the condo? A uh, hundred and sixty thousand. And how much income does it produce? Nothing now you're living If in. I was to, to rent it, I could probably uh, rent it out now for about uh, 1300 $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1 a month. What did you pay for it? I paid uh, uh, sickening 30000 for it. Oh, my. <laughs> 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 I 
So I the, a, a, let's talk about I that. From a short sale. Let's talk about that real quick. So if you sell, let's say it's two years from now, you're retired. If you sold that condo, all that capital gain that you just $130,000 of capital gain is forgiven because it's been your primary residence. If you convert okay. that to a, an investment property and down the road, you sell it, all that gain is going to be taxable to you. Unless you, unless you own it till you die. The challenge well, that's, with, that's, I, I, I like where you're going with this. The, the challenge with the 401k is that it's, although it says it's 130,000, it's not really 130,000. Right. Especially if you take it out all in one year. You've got a silent right. a silent partner. I, someone's got to pay pay for this COVID relief bills, right? So, <laughs> but the challenge the challenge is that tax on that hundred thirty thousand might be anywhere from twelve percent to thirty percent, depending the, on how much you take in any one year. And, and what right. other assets are there in the uh, the household? Um, that's about it. I have, oh, I have, um, uh, savings with 25 K. Okay. So, uh, so, um, so it's, it's, I mean, a, I wish all your savings wouldn't tie them to this annuity. Yeah. But, but Scott, but that's right. the first place I'd go. Cause he's got a, he bought it five years ago. I'm 64. Yeah. He bought it five years ago. There's a surrender charge on it. It's probably seven years. Right. So there's so many ways you got to look at that. There's so many ways you could. The first place I would go is the annuity. The second place I would go is if I could percent, a hundred percent. The second place I would go if I couldn't do the annuity would be uh, probably taking a a new mortgage. If you continue to decided to hold this condo, which may or may not be the right thing based on tax and that you'd have to decide that you're probably going to own this until your dying day. And I have no idea what foreign ownership of condos in Thailand, the rules, the local rules are. Oh, under, understood, but the right. condo that he's oh, got, got living in now, whether to convert it to a rental or not, but what would be wrong with actually um, either taking the money out of the annuity, which is, by the way, the first place I would look. First place. I wouldn't even, wouldn't go further than that. If Unless there were big penalties on this annuity, um, depending upon how bad the damage is, which is one of the reasons we don't like annuities is because they're expensive mm-hmm. many times, not always, but many times to get out of. You, there, the other technique you could do is you could take a new mortgage out on the existing condo while you live in it. Yep. Right? And then you could actually use the distributions from the IRO over periods of years in order to pay that mortgage yeah. down. So have your 401k, let's say the mortgage payment's 600 bucks a month, have the 401k take the same 600 bucks a month out of that 401k to make that mortgage payment. And that way you're not driving yourself up into like a higher marginal idea. record. But, but, but you got to look at the annuity, but, but my guess is that it may be a combination of two of these, but the first place, if you were sitting in my office, you gotta, I mean, that sometimes you, that, that annuity, the, the benefits might be significant enough that it, he's single to actually keep it there. I know, but he only bought it five years ago, and it's got a guaranteed minimum income benefit rider on it, Very which isn't, which is, which is sounds. And he said it's a thousand dollars a month on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar annuity, Go which see. is four percent. So you need you need to you need to sit down with a financial advisor and dig through all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. if you were sitting, not in, someone is going to sell you an annuity. Yeah, product, yeah. If you were sitting in my office, I know exactly the 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 chain of questions I would go through. First would be the annuity. How, what's the cost to get out? What's the value of the GMIB, the guaranteed minimum income benefit? What is the cost of that? If if it's not too expensive to get out of that, then we would just hit the annuity, pay for cash for the house in Southeast Asia, Thailand, call it a day. Right. Then we discuss the, uh, the tax implications of keeping, converting the condo into a rental property, and the, the challenge, ups and downs. With the annuity, there could be... The problem with these contracts, they're so complex and everyone's different, but sometimes if you take out more than, say, 10% of the contract, it collapses all the, the guarantees that you've got built in place. So you've got to, you've got to, that's why they're, they're really easy to get in. They're hard to get out of. So you got to be, okay. so we're not big fans of those products because but, of some of these reasons. But, the last, but now you own it. So but, now the best, now we got to figure out the best way to manage but it. But the question you called with is, can I use my 401k? Be the last place I'd go. It'd be the last place I went. Okay. The last Good. place. Um, and there's a, odds are either one or two things, my opinion. If you're my brother, I'd say either sell that condo here and use those dollars or get a mortgage on it 
probably now while rates are low, we know what they are. Yep. Right. Then let's take a distribution once you retire from that 401k to cover that mortgage payment. Yep. And or the annuity. Take a distribution yeah, from and well, or one the annuity. Of the reason I was trying to keep the condo is because in Thailand, if things change or you know, when they the change, the world change in the future, I could always come back. Okay. Well, then you answered the question yeah, there. Then definitely now we it. strike that one off the list of alternatives. So now we're down to, right, you're not going to sell the condo. Do you, do, you, do you put collateral, use the condo as collateral? Um, or just take the, or take the money I out mean, of the annuity. Of it, if your annuity has been aggressively invested, markets are high, good time to t- take some cash out. That's probably where you'll end up. But it, it, you got to look through all these things and really dig in to see what, if you take the money out of the annuity, what are the costs, not just costs and surrender costs, what are the costs as far as what's it going to do to the guaranteed income benefit that you've yeah. got built in there? Which so, is, right. but the answer to your question is no on the 401k. Don't take a lump sum on that. You won't have enough money. The taxes will eat you alive on it. It'll be disastrous. So. All righty. You can't take it in one year. It just does not work well. So glad you called Charles. Uh, let's continue on here at All Worth's Money Matters. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're talking with Michelle. Michelle, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, how are you today? We're wonderful. Great. So we have just recently had a new grandchild. Congratulations. And is it your first or second you. or third, fourth? First. All right, first. congrats. Thank you. So I wanted to talk to you about the best way to invest money for the grandchild, not necessarily wanting to do one of those college plans in case, you know, things change in the future on how those run. What if she doesn't want to go to college? What if she wants to travel abroad? But the best way to invest in for her. How many kids do you have? I have first, four children. Okay, four children. So you'll probably have more grandkids coming along, I guess. Yes. Right? Odds are, mm-hmm. statistically speaking. Uh, well, there's two different, there's a couple different ways to look at it. One, you could use the, you could use the 529 plan for this particular child. You always have a chance in the future to change beneficiaries. The things we like about it is it's the tax efficiency is phenomenal in the 529. If you don't want to do that and say, I just want to have some money, um, earmarked, uh, the, probably the cleanest way to do it is just to set up a separate account Keep it in your name. If it were me, I would probably just go out and buy the total stock market index. Highly efficient as far as tax goes because it's mostly going to be capital appreciation, assuming it appreciates over the time. But she's newborn. You're not going to be spending the dollars until probably minimum age 16 if you wanted to help with a car, but probably college ages or so. At that point, Mm -hmm. you could either sell the fund, you pay the tax on it, you can gift the fund, she pays the tax at her tax tax rate at that period of time, so it gives you mm. it give that gives you full control, uh, and versus putting it in the child's name in terms of an utma or an ugma. Yeah, you can set up what's called the Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. It gives a little bit of tax benefits. The problem with that it becomes the child when they reach age of maturity. Sometimes it can be pushed to age twenty four. But I, I have dealt with real life situations of uh, clients with children with drug problems that they're hiding right. money that's legally theirs, right? Essentially. So Michelle, um, what's your overall <laughs> family's net worth? Uh, well, if it's under, tw- under 10 million, then. Well, it's probably under 10 million, but it's several million. I mean, we own four properties outright. Okay. Um, we have good retirement. Okay. You, um, you, so here's what, I, and you said no to the 529 plan. I'd use the 529. I'd use the 529 plan. It comes plan. out of and your estate. And let me tell you uh, why I would use the 529 plan. It comes out of your estate, number one. And we expect that the exemption for capital or for the estate tax exemption is going to fall from the current, uh, what's $11.5 million. It's going to probably come down from there. Um, mm-hmm. The other is that you can change the beneficiary in the 529 plan anytime you want. So your granddaughter gets to be age 18 and says, you know, I'm not going to college. I want to travel the world. You can just change the beneficiary yeah. to another grandchild and then give the child cash. Yes. Right? Or some appreciated okay. security. It, it, even better. Even right. better. Even better. But the, the tax benefits 
uh, are too good. Uh, they're too good. Particularly to, because it removes it from your estate. Right now, you can we have about $23 million for a couple. The vast majority of American mm-hmm. families are under $23 million. But that's set to expire in a few years. It'll go revert back to where it'll be about $11 million. And the Congress could, of course, change that in the, the future and say, no, we're going to reduce this so, the, so state the, exemption. The, the 529 has such great tax benefits, assuming that there's going to be multiple grandchildren in your life. You can just change the beneficiary and decide to give the money to the other kids. And that's why I asked the question about the overall net worth of the family, because there's going to be enough to to put money in all the kids' names. So you want to use the most tax-efficient vehicle possible. So would you open up the 529 plan? How much can you put in in a year? Oh, you You can can put put about 150 grand. Yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot. Okay. A lot. And, so and, and, and it doesn't, up, and, it, and it, it still qualifies as an annual exclusion. You could use, how was it, five years? I've never had anyone who wanted to max them out. So yeah, I, I don't remember. It's a lot of money. I've yeah. never even gotten to the, to the limit. No, okay. me neither. No one ever so wants to put, put that much in, in. Get into it. She goes to college for two years. Can I then switch it to the next yep. name? Yep, yep, and yep, next, yep. Yeah, 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 and it stays out of their name. It stays out of your state. It stays out of their name. So kid... Doesn't want to do anything. You don't have to give it to him. You just change the beneficiary at any point. So I had a, I, I had a, a client years ago was was widowed, and in in their in her husband's portion, he said he wanted uh, to fund. I think it was it was education for uh, kids from a previous marriage. There were four kids from a previous marriage, and there was, really wasn't quite enough dollars structured. It was going to be like each kid gets ten grand, whatever the number was, right? Certain amount of money mm-hmm. per year for school. And so the way we so the way we had to, to satisfy this during during that process is we actually took part of his IRA and earmarked it as a beneficiary IRA for the kids because oh, there wasn't enough cash to fully fund the five twenty nine, and at the time we were like we don't know which of these four are going to be studious and are going to go to college and which ones aren't. But then as the kids got to that, they're all through that now and. It, Client's been client for 20 plus years. We went through that entire process. Some kids went to college. Some kids didn't. We just figured it out as we went. That's the most tax advantage as possible. But the nice thing about that 529, you can change the beneficiaries, which is what we had to do in this situation. And it actually, if if the child is eligible for federal state aid, um, then it's not included in that because it's not in their name. And by the way, so I had this discussion with my wife two days ago about our nieces and nephews and 529 plans and whether they still make sense or not. This kind of tells you the dysfunction in my marriage that my wife and I were discussing this. Why is it a dysfunction? It sounds like <laughs> you a normal think marriage. We should, we'd have better things to talk about than how 529s will be treated in the future based on whether education is free in the future. So her question was, what happens if edu- all education becomes free? Or why not take as many loans as possible and then just have the government forgive those loans? Well, uh, I'm, I am along those, I'm along those lines. But keeping the money uh, in your name in the 529, there will be changes in how all of these things are structured. Uh, but even mm-hmm. the tax efficiency of the 529, don't even consider anything else. If you live in what state? Okay. California. Oh, just go to scholarshare.com. You need the child's birth date, social security number. Once you have that, you can go online, get the age weighted aggressive growth fund. Something along those lines. Yeah. You want to be, cause you can be as, you want to be as aggressive as, as possible. The great, it's, you've got so much time. You've got yeah, time it's to called go through age-based, multiple market cycles. Age-based aggressive growth. All righty. Okay. So I, you did mention, though, um, take out as many student loans as you can. In case well, who knows? I mean, she's them. like, so, she's like, <laughs> no, not her. But like, let's say you had a child in college now. I do. We have kids in college. Would we take out student loans? Well, even you might we not qualify. I don't, depending on your income, you might not qualify for yeah. that. If the child is uh, on their own and qualifies, then it may make sense for them to take out. But you're not going to co-sign on anything. It's just the child. You may not, if the child is a dependent upon of yours, you may not qualify yeah. for that. Yeah, we won't. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, okay. that's. Well, thanks. All right. Appreciate the call. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Appreciate great. you guys. Take All care. Right. Have thanks, a great Michelle. Day. It is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I took student loans out in college. Yeah, I remember in college, I went to apply for a student. I worked, um, had a little treachery business. Uh, I worked out of my bedroom, essentially. For uh, while well, I went to junior college and sold it, made enough money to um, basically kind of fund the next my last couple years of university. 
And I went to apply for a student loan and I, they wouldn't give me one because I made more than like, it was only like 10 grand. You made uh, too much money because you worked. Yes. And I had friends that were like, had summer jobs that would quit their summer jobs before the summers opened because they would keep an eye on that limit. Because if they made over that limit, they wouldn't qualify for the student loan. It is uh, unintended consequences. I got them because I worked as a waiter. And back then it wasn't, uh, quite frankly, I'm going to tell the truth. I didn't, I may not have declared a hundred percent of my income because it wasn't required. Oh, that uh, back in the day, it wasn't. For- it wasn't there. And so I would take these student loans and I had a, a brokerage account at Dean Witter. Um, Dean Witter was my brokerage account. So, so I you, would- you took student loans and invested in risky securities. I, I did when I was in college. I don't, I actually, I don't know if I'd give that advice to myself today, um, but that's what I did. Uh, it's probably, if it didn't work out, you would have, would have been fine. You too. would have learned. It wasn't very much money. I mean, I love looking at watching young people uh, do stupid things with their dollars because they're small amounts. Yes. And that's small fixes. Yes. What I don't like seeing is someone who's 55 or 60 make poor choices with their dollars. They take a lump sum from their retirement and have had very little experience investing those that size of dollars and go out and make those decisions. That's where you see people who's they make these change they make these decisions with their finances that have that are essentially irrevocable. Yes. Once and when the markets do the, what they do, oftentimes they're in a situation where they it'll change their life, not always for the best, right? Yeah. Landing the plane is the most dangerous part of the flight, by the way. <laughs> Landing your retirement is the most dangerous part of uh, your retirement savings. Which is why it's, particularly as you are nearing retirement, it is really important that you've got the right kind of plan in place. And if you don't have one now, there's great financial advisors around the country. There's a lot of bad ones as well. <laughs> Obviously, we're part of Allworth Financial. We think we've got great advisors. Meet with people every day, helping them plan their financial futures. And to that point, this week we have a workshop on Social Security. If you go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. You could sign up for our virtual social security workshop so that you can better understand how social security plays a role in your retirement. And if you want to think about how do I have a consultation with an Allworth advisor, you can figure that out as well. Allworth.com. We're out of time. It's been great being with you. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.